Are feminists coming after your Christmas music? Not only the feminists, but are progressive Christians coming after your Christmas music? If so, that's alarming. And there are many individuals who believe it is. Have you started listening to Christmas music yet? I know there's some that listen to it literally year-round. There's others who, right after Thanksgiving, they start listening. Mine is December 1. And I enjoy listening to Christmas music. The more festive ones, it makes me happy. I feel a sense of joy. Instrumental Christmas music gives me this sense of warmness, a sense of being, a sense of calmness. And so when I read about the possibility that individuals were beginning to change the words to some of my favorite Christmas carols, it piqued my attention. And that is why those questions. Are the feminists coming after our Christmas music? Are progressive Christians coming after our Christmas music? Let me give you an example of how, why some individuals say the answer is yes. The song, the carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Verse 2 sounds like this. Christ by heaven, highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Well... There is a now a modified version of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And it says the following. Christ by heaven, highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, late in time behold him come, offspring of the favored one. Now again, that last line originally says offspring of a virgin's womb. Now it is offspring of a favored, of the favored one. I mean, what they did is they took out the idea of Mary's virginity. Here is an example of where individuals have modified Christmas carols to make them align what they believe is more appropriate to where we find ourselves in the 21st century. Is it appropriate? Is it right? Or is this cancel culture coming after Christmas? The question is also asked, is it time to move past Mary's purported virginity? Think about the Christmas pageants that you perhaps have seen. I mean, one of the highlights at the end of the pageant is the Virgin Mary sitting, Joseph beside her, all the angels, all the shepherds surrounding them, and Mary, the Virgin Mary, holding a baby infant. I mean, that's, that's the ultimate. That's the climax of the Christmas pageant. Are we supposed to get rid of that? Because this idea of Mary being a virgin? What, what's the big deal here? Well, we're going to continue this discussion right after this quick break.
For those who would answer the question, is it time to move past Mary's purported virginity? For those individuals who would answer it, yes. There's primarily three reasons for their answer. Number one, science tells us that for homo sapiens, human beings, there is no such thing as a virgin birth. Science tells us how procreation happens. And a woman giving birth, becoming conceiving and becoming pregnant without a male either literally physically providing or through in vitro fertilization, some type of male sperm, they're saying it, it, it doesn't happen. So science, they would say, tells us there was no such thing. Well, those individuals who espouse a very literal reading of the Christmas story would take Mary as being a virgin, and they would say, well, God can do anything. Without, with God, all things are possible. Well, really. However, when you look carefully at the Bible, you begin to realize that there is evidence to point that this idea of Mary being a virgin was actually quite late to come on the scene. Probably first appeared some 40, 50 years after Jesus was no longer here on this earth. Think about that. 40 to 50 years, there was silence around Jesus' birth. The only thing you really hear early on, probably the first instance we, we have is Paul in Galatians and then in Romans. But in Galatians, he says, all he says about Jesus' birth was he was born of a woman. That's it. No virginity, no special miraculous birth. Romans chapter 1 has some of the same ideas. And the Gospel of Mark, which was probably of the four Gospels, the first to be written, no mention of a virgin birth. So the individuals would use that and other evidence to show that this idea of a miraculous virgin birth of Jesus was a late addition to the story of Jesus's life. And then finally, there are those individuals who believe that the idea of Mary's virginity is actually a curse upon women. There's an article, an opinion piece in the Religion News Service written by Serene Jones Title of the article is How the Church's Focus on Mary's Virginity Became a Curse for Women. Now, when the first time when we actually hear about Mary being a virgin is in Matthew and Luke. And what's amazing is in Luke chapter 1, when we first meet Mary, the first mention of her, her name is not mentioned. Listen in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. It says, Gabriel, an angel, was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. And the virgin's name was Mary. When you read the text, it becomes very, right there in front of you, very obvious that the writer wants you to know one thing about Jesus' mother. She's a virgin. The angel appears to a virgin. No name given, just a virgin. And then later on, it is the virgin's name is given Mary. 
It appears in Luke chapter 1 that the most important thing about Mary is her virginity. It's the whole key to the story according to Luke chapter 1. Her virginity is what is notable, not Mary as a person. It elevates virginity to highest importance in the story. Because of that, this idea of her praiseworthiness being solely based upon her status as a virgin, because of that, over time, Christian religious cultures have become fixated on purity. If you are an unmarried woman, one of the highest values put upon you is your virginity. And maintaining your virginity is of utmost importance. Well, this idea first appeared probably some 400 years after Jesus was no longer here on this earth. That's when it really began to take root, this idea of the importance of virginity, not only for Mary, but for all women. And the man you can thank is an African theologian by the name of Augustine. Augustine got really hung up on sex. I mean, if you read some of his writings, it's the poor man was tortured with his sexual feelings and desires. So he took these ideas, his yearnings, and he came up with the idea of original sin. The idea of original sin is that within humanity, we are all inherently sinful. We have sinful natures. Well, how did you get a sinful nature? You were born with it. Well, how did it come to you? How did it become a part of you? It is through the act of sexual intercourse. Why would, why would Augustine focus on that? Because this act of sex, sexual intercourse, he believed was rooted in lust and sexual desires, which he saw as a sin. So therefore, the act of conceiving sexual intercourse, the result of that act is a sinful byproduct. So sexual intercourse produces children with sinful natures. Augustine takes us all the way back to Adam and Eve. And because of Adam and Eve's first sin, what took place there between those two individuals and when they copulated, it, their offspring became sinful by birth. Because of that conception, because of that act, now individuals are born with this sinful nature. Well, that creates a problem. Because if Jesus is God and he enters into our world, how can you have Jesus be tainted by the act of sexual intercourse? That's why the whole idea of the virgin birth became solidified. I think originally the idea of the virgin birth was 
in order to emphasize the type of person Jesus was. And this type of person, they said, had to have a miraculous beginning. And I think that story was just that. It was a story. It wasn't trying to tell us historical truth. But over time, especially with Augustine's help, guess what happens? It becomes literalized. Mary has to be a virgin so that Jesus is not conceived, conceived and mature in a womb that is sinful. A sinful act cannot produce Jesus. So Mary is a virgin, and she remains a virgin so that Jesus can be born sinless. In the 19th century, think about that, 19th century, 1,800 years some goes by, the church comes up with a doctrine called Immaculate Conception. So it wasn't good enough that Mary was just born, I mean, Jesus was born to a virgin. Mary herself has to be immaculately conceived. Her mother was also a virgin. Why? Because Mary could not be a sinful vessel to carry the fetal Jesus. Do you see what's happening? Sexuality in the Christian church, beginning literally some four to 500 years after Jesus was here on this earth, sexuality begins to be seen as sinful, inherently sinful. The act itself is sinful. And if the act takes place outside of marriage, it's even worse. That's why early on in the Catholic Church, there was an emphasis that the only time that was appropriate to have sex was for conception. That's, why, again, why the Catholic Church discourages, in some cases, prohibits the use of birth control. Why? Because the act of sex is sinful unless it is done, or that sin is not as great, if it is done with the possibility of conception. So over time, it ended up becoming so important, very important, that women remained virgins, that they were pure. And we are still seeing that in our society. So the consequences of this, Mary's virginity has had a ripple effect that has continued to impact women's lives. And in two ways specifically, it has had a negative impact upon women's life. And when we come back, I'm going to share those with you. So what is it? What are the two negative incomes, I mean, outcomes that arise when an individual accepts the virgin birth of Jesus, a virgin mother, the Virgin Mary, and the importance upon virginity 
and the sin surrounding sexual intercourse. What are the negative consequences of that? Well, number one, sex outside of marriage is seen as being one of the worst sins that an individual can commit. That's why the whole within Protestantism, there's been this whole movement of a purity culture. Purity rings, purity dances between fathers and their daughters. Many churches, Protestant and Catholic, focus upon the importance of not having sex before one is married. Sex outside of marriage is seen as taboo. Now, the only exception appears to be the emphasis within at least Protestant Christians that I see, the emphasis tends to be is that once you are no longer a virgin, if you were married and then you divorced, if you were to live with another person, we don't seem to make such a big deal about that. Why? Because you've already lost your virginity. But for young women, it's of utmost importance that they keep their virginity until they get married. I read a story about a woman who literally, the only physical contact she had with her fiancé was they were holding hands. That was it. The only sexual experience, if you want to even call it that, was holding hands. Not even a single kiss. First kiss occurred on the day of their wedding. She goes on in this article and talks about the impact that had upon her on her honeymoon night. Instead of being a blessed union, it ended up to be trauma. When we focus upon virginity and purity, the focus usually is primarily on the woman. The man is supposed to remain chaste, yes, but men are men, right? That's what they would say. But what ends up happening is it stifles sexual growth, sexual maturity. Instead of naturally responding to these sexual desires as they come in a part of your body, as you, these hormones are beginning to rage within you, instead of being able to respond to those and, and do so in a way that is appropriate for the, your age and your psychological maturity, instead, everything is suppressed. It's pushed down. And the reason I know that is because I was one of them. I was one of those who would not have sexual intercourse until the day I was married. And so sexuality is suppressed. It's not allowed to become a natural part of growth of a human being. And because of that, it prejudices especially women and their view of sex. Sex is seen as dirty. Sex is seen as a chore that one has to do. And if you enjoy sex, well, that's a whole other question for many Christians. The second consequence of emphasizing Mary's virginity to the point that she is this ultimate role model for all women to follow, especially young virgin women, is that women who experienced a sexual assault, rape, they are also additionally traumatized by the church's teaching about purity and shame. Two young women, young adult women, talk about 
their view of the Virgin Mary and how it impacted their sexual life. The first one is Jennifer. She's an attorney. She says the following, I have never felt any connection to Mary as a woman, only resentment and possibly anger at her role in the church. My experience of her was always this really sad, doting, passive mother who has been glorified because of her virginity. It's another example of the church making sex dirty and bad and women who have sex dirty. Then she asked this question. When does the church make a big deal out of a man's virginity? The next woman, her name is Sarah. She's a musician and an adult convert to Catholicism. She says this idea, again, of the Virgin Mary and how it impacted her sexuality. I originally had this idea that most Catholic men saw women either as the kind of girl they wanted to marry, i.e., pure, a submissive virgin like Mary, or... The other kind of girl was the kind of woman they would seek for their pleasure, i.e., a whore. In other words, I did not feel that the idealized image of Mary helped the women's cause in being seen and treated as equal human beings, but rather it served to further objectify them. Wow. I mean, we talk about pornography objectifying women. Here is a woman telling us that idealizing Mary as this virgin and using her as the ultimate example, role model for women, she says that alone objectifies women. So I'm going to go back to that original question. Are the feminist and progressive Christians coming after our Christmas music? Do they want to make it politically correct or religiously correct? What's the big deal? I mean, you listen to Christmas music, it makes you feel good. Grab a cup of coffee, hot chocolate, fire in a fireplace, turn on some Christmas music, turn on the Christmas lights, look at the Christmas tree and listen to this wonderful Christmas music. What's the harm of that? Christmas pageants. Bringing together the stories of Matthew and Luke, combining them together, even though originally they were separate, combining them together and seeing the story of Jesus unfold right before your eyes. And in the center of it all is this young, innocent, virgin woman. What's the harm in that? Well, if you listen to some women... There's a lot. There's a lot of harm. So what do we do? For the sake of our emotional well-being? Do we ignore these women's plight? I mean, think about that. If you started to remove all the references to Mary's virginity, imagine what that would do to the, one of the favorite songs that are 
It's one of the songs that is sung at the majority of churches on Christmas Eve. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Round yon virgin. You want to take that out? And yet, there's an idea out there of a virgin birth, which again, science says no. And even the biblical evidence seems to point that it was an idea that was created later on and never really happened. That Jesus was conceived in the normal way that any other child was. Man, it's hard. There is that emotional familiarity that we want to maintain, especially Christmas, the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the answer to that one, to be honest with you. Um, I've been told that I need to share more of my own personal views. Um, and I think one of the reasons it's hard for me is because sometimes these ideas are really complex. And it, it is, the temptation is to take a position very quickly. I guess I could tell you what, if I was to land right now, I'd probably listen to more women. I would read more feminist theologians. I would listen to how this idea that has been such an important part of the Christmas season is having negative consequences in these women's lives. So what do you think? Where do you stand on this issue? Where do you come down? Would you ever have this conversation with another person? Or is that too risky? It is something that you can think about now that I've kind of put a damper on Christmas, bah humbug. <laughs> but it's important because it's impacting people's lives. So, I wish you a Merry Christmas. And how you choose to celebrate that Christmas, that's on you. But whatever you're doing now and the rest of this week, take care out there and be safe. See you next time.